There's something so beautiful about the winter. The way the snow glistens in the night, or how light reflects off the ice in the trees. It's quiet and peaceful. However, in our past, the dead of winter was a time of struggle. Nothing could be grown, food was scarce, and the cold deadly. People celebrated this time of year as the winter solstice, Yule, or in the Roman pagan tradition, Saturnalia, named after the agricultural god Saturn. They honored the longest night of the year and looked forward with hope to the return of the sun. We now celebrate Christmas and New Year's, celebrations of love, light, and hope. We sometimes forget the darker traditions of this time of year, traditions that are still celebrated in other parts of the world. I have mentioned in a previous episode the Italian version of Santa Claus, La Bafana, a grotesque witch that flies around on broomsticks leaving gifts for good children and coal for bad children. This idea of a Christmas witch is also found in other cultures. In Austria, Germany, and other parts of Italy, there are tales of Frau Perpta, an alpine goddess who pre-Christianity was celebrated on a day that coincided with the Twelfth Night. Post-Christianity, she was seen as a demonic witch who would punish anyone who displeased her. If you continued to honor her, she would appear to you as a beautiful goddess. If you did not, she would come to you as a demonic horned monster who will sneak into your room while you sleep, slit your belly open, and replace your organs with pebbles and straw. In Iceland, they have another famous witch named Gryla, also known as the Christmas Witch. Gryla is said to come down from the mountains to take misbehaving children from their homes and make them into a stew for her and her family of horrors. Her appearance is frightening, like that of a troll. She has eyes in the back of her head, a beard, black teeth, long ears that hang low, and hooven feet, and fifteen tails. It is said she has a troll husband named Lepeloi, and that she had a previous husband whom she had eaten when she grew bored with him. Gryla's legend also incorporates the Yule Lads, thirteen brothers who are goblins, who between December 12th and 24th visit homes and cause mischief and violence. Telling tales of the Yule Lads was banned in Iceland in 1746 for a time, due to the fright they were causing children. Another member of the strange family is the Yule Cat, a pet to the Yule Lads. The Yule Cat, or Christmas Cat, was a huge, black, ferocious cat with blazing red eyes, huge claws, and attacked and ate any child who didn't get new clothes for Christmas. This may seem odd. It had something to do with wool production, getting your work done in time for Christmas and not being lazy. 
It's funny that so many cultures use the idea of a witch to scare children into behaving and grown-ups into having a good work ethic. Another strange group of creatures comes from Greek folklore called the Kalikanzaroi. They are small demons who, in my imagination, look like gremlins. They live underground, sawing through the tree of life that runs through the earth. By December, their sawing would nearly be complete, and they would come above ground, causing mischief and chaos. They would also search for any child born between the 12 days of Christmas and turn them into fellow Kalikanzaroi. People could avoid them taking their baby by binding the newborns in garlic and straw. You could also place colander outside your door to ward them off. They would be compelled to count the holes in it, but they could never count the number three as it is a holy number in Greece and would be stuck trying to count the holes again and again throughout the night. By January, they would return underground, at which point the Tree of Life had replenished itself for the new year. The final frightening creature of this episode is the anti-Santa Claus, Krampus. He is the son of Hel, the Norse god of the underworld. He is half goat and half demon. He towers over Santa Claus and carries a birch club to use on naughty children. He wears a basket on his back to place a child or children of his choice to consume for Christmas dinner. His job is to punish naughty children and adults, taking extreme measures in their punishment. It is said that he rips out little girls' pigtails and beats children with his birch club. This folktale has been around since before the 15th century, but is now gaining in popularity once again. In the US in 2015, there was a Christmas movie made about Krampus. It has its humorous qualities, but is still very creepy. I have two wonderfully creepy poems to share with you all. The first one is titled The Krampus by Kenneth Weidman. Hear the bells, Christmas bells, ringing in the distance. Past the moon, across the sky, we knew him in an instant. A small lad from the town in the valley far below shouts, look up to all, I can see Rudolph's bright red nose. Way up there, the small reindeer pointing out the way, the gang's all here as 12 more appear to guide old Santa's sleigh. Santa brings a special glee, a sparkle to the eye, but brats take haste, the Krampus comes to darken up the sky. A jolly old soul with a heart of gold, Santa Claus is coming. With cloven hooves and goatish horns, the Krampus sends them running. As good Saint Nick will fill with toys his magic, his magical red sack, the Krampus has a birch club strapped across his back. Much larger than his counterpart with fur from head to toe, two horns 
as large as antlers and claws where hands should go. All the naughty children in rusty chains are bound. They smell the stench of brimstone as it rises through the ground. The earth will start to rumble, there's fire all around. The pits of hell will open wide and he'll throw the children down. So sinister a creature, this frigid hungry beast, will eat their burning bodies for a Christmas, crispy Christmas treat. As Santa leaves our snowy town, the remaining kids will gather round. For their friends, they'll shed a final tear and know the Krampus will be back next year. This next poem is also titled The Krampus and it is by D.J.V. Walker. "'Twas the eve before Christmas, the children abed. If they knew what was coming, they'd be shaking with dread. The list had been tallied in the season of ice, and it sadly reported more naughty than nice. Santa was resigned, he found no more joy in the production of toys for bad girls and boys. He, he loudly proclaimed, I'm packing it in. I'll bring in a ringer more familiar with sin. The statement was issued, it crossed both land and sea, and was answered with laughter filled with malevolent glee. He sprang from the earth like a demonic gopher, in a noxious miasma that reeked mostly of sulfur. Out of this cloud came the sum of all fears, Santa's vile double, the darkest of mirrors. He had a prominent beard and was clad all in red, but he was strongly contrasted by the horns on his head. His raiment consisted of a bedraggled coat, and he had the misshapen legs and hooves of a goat. With the rattling of chain, he literally flew, for no one denies the Krampus his due. His passage was not marked by celestial singing, but his arrival was foreshadowed by cacophonous ringing. He reached the town square and he began to cavort. Their various misdeeds he was happy to report. He pulled out a list that had been sealed in blood. It rolled to the ground with an ominous thud. Cody, he said, you hold all the blame for why the town church went up in a flame. Marcy, you are the shame of your peers. You scream at your mother and leave her in tears. Xander, you vile and malodorous chimp. You are the reason your dog walks with a limp. And so he continued through much of the night. Each child in turn, each protesting their plight. Still he continued, his will was unbending. They went into a sack that seemed never ending. Finally it ended, he had all the doomed. By the night's end, they'd all be consumed. He'd use a birch rod, both supple and slender, to ensure that the children were succulent and tender. He left with his victims, their fate was most dire, as he went to a realm filled with lakes of fire. So remember all this when you next hear a bell. It's no angel bewinged, but a passage to hell. These folktales and legends all serve the same purpose, to get children to behave. Fear is a powerful motivation, especially when you have a good imagination. 
Thank you all so much for joining me for another episode of Tales of Fate and Folklore. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever you celebrate. I hope you all have a very happy new year.